So this week, we're going to be um, talking again to Cesar Cano. We're going to finish up that interview. Uh, first, I wanted to get into a, a few of the things, uh, one being the um, Iron Bartender competition is uh, wrapping up this weekend. Um, go out and support your bartenders, ironbartender.org. And that benefits the uh, Perry Winkle Foundation, which does events uh, in summer camps um, to children that are have uh, cancer. And not just the kids, but the whole family. And so what they do basically is allow the family to create some positive uh, memories and experiences um, because that's the kind of situation that they're in. So make sure that you support the Perry Winkle Foundation and um, your iron bartender. Also, wanted to give a big congratulations to Justin Ware. Justin Ware just won the uh, bartender of the year from Heaven Hill. And um, I know he had been pursuing that particular trophy for a while. So congratulations. That is a very focused and determined effort. So that does not go, go unnoticed. Um, also big thank you to the people over at high and dry, uh, Levi, uh, Javi, Lucas, uh, they've, uh, allowed me to do what I do, um, while bravery and Lockwood station, uh, opens up, which is my big announcement. You know, I kind of like to get straight to the meat of it all. So the big announcement is I don't have one because uh, we got set back a little bit again. But we are so close, so, so close that I don't think you understand it. You will know uh, the minute that we are on site. But right now we are close, very, very close. So stay tuned. All right. Sesakano and I uh, got into some uh, good uh, conversation about cultural norms that we had to uh, fight, um, well, actually confront and deal with uh, as kids whenever uh, we moved here from him from Mexico, me from Puerto Rico. And we're going to continue that particular uh, conversation. There are, well, there's a lot to be said about all that. But one of the things that I did want to make clear is that Just because we're bartenders or we're uh, hospitality industry professionals doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion. And it doesn't mean that we can't voice our opinion. There are consequences to the way that we voice our opinion. Um, and as long as you're okay with those, um, then that's fine. I will also add to that that just because there are consequences to some of the things you say, I don't think that all things people say need a severe consequence which is something that um you know we've had to deal with in 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 our uh, modern culture so that said uh let's listen to uh let's get back to uh part two of cesar chef cesar cano i remember being in puerto rico in the airport and i'm already like on this mindset i was on my way back 
And I was uh, in, in this mindset, okay, U.S. or, you know, I was kind of like in the between because in the, in the airports, people are talking English and they're talking Spanish, even though that's all around the island. But once you're in the airport, airport are so innocuous, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have the nice ones and you have the not so nice ones, but it's a fucking airport. And so this lady walks up to me and she's a redhead and she's just... I just remember her walking up to me, like looking at me like she's going to say something, and I'm expecting English. Mm-hmm. I mean, she looks Irish. Right, right. And then she starts talking to me in Spanish, but not just Spanish, but like hardcore Puerto Rican Spanish. And I'm like, whoa. Like it, it uh, in a split second, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Right, right, like it just yeah. real quick. And then I was like, oh shit, I'm still in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> This is normal. This is normal. You didn't have the schemas. She was bringing all your schemas in your brain. You're like, this is not match up for sure. Yeah. And so, and 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 that's what what I find um, exciting about uh, life and the world. Right. Right. Another experience was crossing the street in uh, Little Italy, right by Chinatown in in, uh, oh, yeah. in New York. In New York, yeah, yeah. And, and within crossing the street from one sidewalk to the other, right. uh, I must have heard about four different languages. For sure. You know, Korean and, you know. And, and that's another thing I don't get. It's like, what do people have against languages? Like, it's like, okay, I'm bilingual. That's a benefit. You enjoy life twice as much. I can, I love Spanish music. I love English music. I can read literature in Spanish and English. It's like, I've just enriched my life because I know multiple languages. Well, not just that, but the fun of exactly. switching yeah. <laughs> of switching languages for, for the fun of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like Spanglish is becoming a real language <laughs> <laughs> because it's like some words don't translate. For instance... I, I've never ever understood that. Yeah, this thing of like one. I have one language and no, you know I'm smarter than know. you because like, of it. And it's like, out. well, your vocabulary sucks. <laughs> your sentence structure is poor. <laughs> so I don't understand what you've been doing this whole time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> one. Yeah. You're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I always see food as the gateway to other cultures. Like when I want to start learning about another culture, what do they eat? Because I mean, what they eat is shaped by economical decisions, you know, governmental decisions, everything. So that's that's the way to start learning uh, someone's history is uh, how come you eat rice and beans? Well, because we couldn't afford protein. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, 100%. So then, okay, you're doing pop-ups. Yeah. Um, And I've seen some of your your photos Mm -hmm. and videos on it, and you're doing some really cool stuff. Thank you, thank you. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. As a as the center of the composition, right, right. So you had stuff around it mm-hmm. and then in it. Like when you looked, when I looked at the picture, I was like, "Is that guacamole?" <laughs> like the composition was so strong. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, so like you know, I came back from um, being on the show, and like I said, that sparked the joy in cooking again. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go back and make my living from food. But I am definitely going to have to find a way to incorporate it into my life because I get so much joy out of it. And that's another dilemma that I see in the industry where if you own a restaurant, if you have investors in it, you know, money is power. So if somebody's sinking money into your concept, they feel entitled to a certain say or right in it, you know. Um, and a lot of people ask me, it was like, oh, you were on TV. Are you going to open up a restaurant? I was like, I don't think so because there's so much like you were saying earlier at the end of the month, you still got to pay that lease. You still got to pay your employees. And that, for me, detracts from what I'm trying to do with food. Uh, I'm just trying to share what I love to do with others 
and bring a, a, a strength to the community. This is this is coming from me growing up in Mexico, where one of my favorite things was going to cenadurias, these homes where ladies would only cook, let's say Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to make extra income. And they'd say, hey, this week I'm gonna be offering these three plates from this time to this time. And people from the neighborhood would just go sit in their living room, in their patio, in their backyards, and just say, oh yeah, you know, give me two of that, give me three of that. And then you're sitting there and you're chatting with your neighbors and you, the, the community just was stronger because it was centered around these homes that provided food for us. And that was always my favorite thing growing up. Is like, oh, which one are we going to go to this time? Because we go to ones in different neighborhoods. Oh, I heard this lady has really, you know, good enchiladas or really good tortas. So we would just travel these neighborhoods and get to know the people that lived in them because we were drawn by food. And that's the mission of my pop-ups. Um, I want to recreate that experience. And the people that have, uh, the handful of people that have already come to them, they walk away with that. Like, I, I didn't go to, it's not like going to a restaurant. It's more like being at someone at a friend's house and just enjoying dinner. And I usually get couples because uh, my table only sits six. So I'll get like two, two, two. And then by the end of the night, they're exchanging numbers because they found they had so much in common or that they love the same restaurants. They're like, oh, we should get together next weekend and go eat somewhere else. And being able to help people make those connections by cooking is how I'm getting my joy out of it now. Um, and then uh, in, in regards, I mean, that that's the concept behind it. What food am I trying to do? For the last three summers, I've been doing ta tacos. Because like you said, no matter where you live in the States, you've eaten a taco. Uh, but they're like, I don't even invite my my family. My family has still not tried my tacos. I'm talking like my grandma, my uncles, my cousins, because I'm afraid they're going to say, what is this? Because I'm not doing al pastor. I'm not doing carnitas. I'm not doing fajitas. I, I was like, those have already been done and they're done well. Like, I love going out to eat them, but I'm, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, I'm going to represent my Mexican experience being an immigrant here in the States. So the one you're referring to, the tortillas green, because I do a chive, chive puree and I mix it in with a masa. Uh, so this is like my mix of Asian and Mexican flavors. Because when I first moved to the States, like Chinese buffets were a godsend. I was like, we get to pay $6 and eat whatever we want and from this delicious food that I never had in my life. So I, that's how I fell in love with Chinese food. And then I would notice they would put like, well, we got to put these green onion things on everything, you know, just sprinkle it on the rice. sprinkle it. And then in compound chicken, they had peanuts in there. I was like, I thought peanuts were only a snack. I can sneak them into the food. <laughs> I was like, these these Chinese people, they're no, they know what they're doing. Um, so in that taco, I have a chive tortilla and I have a mixture of Japanese mushrooms that I roast off. And then I saute them in a pasilla pepper sauce, which has always been my ultimate favorite dry chili. And then I top them with the nori cashew crumble. Because I was like, they're doing it. Why can't I do it? So I crumble up some nori, a little bit of cashews, some uh, garbanzos, and that's the topping for it. And people come, like the best compliments I have gotten from that taco are people who say, I don't even like mushrooms, but I'd eat this again. Or if you hadn't told me that was mushrooms, I thought it was me. I thought it was me. I was like, a, yes. I, I, that's like Richard Knight and Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't I didn't think... It was right around that time when Feast was out, whenever I started to see Brussels sprouts all over the place. Sure, yeah. And uh, and I was like, I don't even like Brussels sprouts, but these are fucking good. Cooking with Richard and Taverna, I mean, I had cooked Brussels sprouts in culinary school. That was the only time. 
and the first time I saw him, someone try to put him on the menu was when I was working here in the Sharona. And I remember this one time he came out with the menu. He was like, oh, we're putting Brussels sprouts down. Do you know how to cook them? I was like, yeah, from, you know, knife skills class. <laughs> so I remember the first time I did it, I just did it the old school way. You score the bottom of them with an X, you know, blanch them in water, shock them in, in ice, and toss them with uh, pecans and uh, pecan bits and butter. And that's how we rolled them out in the menu up there. But yeah, you're right. Richard was a big proponent of these off cuts of meat and of off vegetables that nobody knew how delicious they were because they didn't bother trying them. Yeah, so I, I think your your idea of uh, taking Mexican food to a higher level. Um, fortunately, we have Hugo's and mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Sochi and all that. But uh, I think it's good to have these pop-ups and in, in the way that you explore these other flavors, like a chive tortilla. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this kind of the way that we do in the bar. So in the bar, you know... Um, Simple thing is you make a margarita. Well, make it with pisco instead of tequila. Mm-hmm. The same recipe, right. right? It's no longer margarita, right? Because yeah. uh, it's not tequila. But it's suddenly you have this basic change, this fundamental change in something that is very familiar. And then you can infuse, you know, ginger right. into it or anything like that. So then all of a sudden... You are no longer doing the classics. You're doing these originals mm-hmm. because then it might be better with lemon juice than lime juice. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be better with apricot than with uh, orange liqueur, right? And so you, you start experimenting and going down this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you don't know what's there because right. it could be just a one-off, which is what normally happens, mm-hmm. or a modern classic. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that it's it's a cool thing that you're doing because you don't know i mean on the other side it might be you know it it might be it might end up in everybody else's kitchen uh somewhere down the line because people realize like wow so we can make tortillas out of chocolate (laughs) and make dessert out of it you know so and one thing i borrowed from you guys from the bartenders for this concept is it was kind of what I was hinting at earlier where when you become an executive chef, you do very little cooking during service. You're expediting, making sure the food is, you know, cooked correctly, looks correctly. But one of my favorite things is to go to a bar and just watch, you know, I'll have one drink, but I could sit there for an hour, two hours, just watching the bartender mix, you know, go through this process that you were describing, you know, a little bit of that, that, that. I think it's just so cool. It's like a, it's performance art, performance art that you can drink. So when I decided to do these pop-ups, I was like, I, I want to incorporate that concept because I want people to see me do everything. Because there's excitement in that and seeing your drink prepared and seeing your food being cooked in front of you. So m- my kitchen is small. The table is literally right next to the stove. And I always encourage my guests, you know, take pictures, ask me questions, stand next to me, ask me why I'm doing it in the order that I'm doing it with. And it, it adds that value to it. So I make my dough ahead of time and I have it portioned out, but I don't press it until it's time for that course. And I do, you know, I alternate. I do corn flour, corn flour. So I roll my flour once, you know, a minute before you're going to be eating your taco. And that just adds more of that bartending experience that I love to go and be a part of. Now I'm sharing it with others, but through food, through the dishes that I'm cooking for them. So there's, I'm cutting out the middleman. I came up with that taco idea. I'm the one that's going to cook it for you in front of you. That's interesting because that's what um... – Bravery Chef Hall yeah. is, is going to be, and, and I'm looking forward to that because that is taking that middleman out, right. and you're watching the chef uh, create these dishes yeah. and, and putting them in front of you. Right, 
some people won't, you know, depending if they're getting to go or whatnot. But it is a, a, a performance art. Yeah. Um, and I, I love this back and forth between the, the mm-hmm. bar and the kitchen because we've, we've borrowed. That's how classic, that's the, the, um, the renaissance of classic cocktails came out was uh, Del de Graaf started to pull these old books, which weren't many. And then he started to notice that the, uh, every young chef cook that came out of school or not had their own set of knives. Yeah. And he's like, well, why don't bartenders have their own tins and their own right. spoons and you know their own uh, setup? And, and he, he went after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that once you start to take ownership right. of what you do to the degree that you're spending money on equipment, right, to make sure that you, for a couple of reasons. One, one is you get used to your, your equipment, right? And so you're able to be smoother mm-hmm. with it. And two is you know it's reliable, right? Three is you have the tools for the job. Because yeah. one thing I hate is people try, it's like, oh, I can make this work. And it's like, yeah. One, the end result is not that good. And two, you look like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> I think you hit it right on the nose. It, it, it's, it's a mindset because you take pride in what you do if you show up with your own tools, you know? And you're like, hey, I took time to take care for that knife because I'm going to use it for this ingredient. So, yeah, I like that. I didn't know that that's kind of where that influence for the bartending world came from. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it did. And I, and I, I feel that this is, uh, is going to be really cool at, at Bravery because mm-hmm. what I'm looking to do is uh, have ingredients. Uh, what, what's been happening for a long time was cheater bottles, right? You have consolidated ingredients that are similar. Yeah. So instead of grabbing two, three bottles to have different uh, syrups or whatnot, uh, you just grab one or modifiers, you know, different liqueurs. And so, but I think, I, I, like you, I think of it as performance art. Um, it's, it's surprising to me the amount of people over the years that in watching me bartend, because I, I, I would love to flare, but I don't. I have my own flair in the way right. that I do things. And people, people will come up to me and say, you're an artist. And I'm like, I'm just making drinks. And it's like, no, you're an artist. And which is true. I am. Um, but it's, it's always it's completely different whenever the customer, the guest, just watches you for a little while and they're like, wow. Yeah. And so then it's, it's like all this effort, right? All this, this time, money, frustration, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that goes into it uh, is finally paying off. Right, yeah, because that's that's, that's the end result, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anything else? No, I mean I'm looking forward to Bravery Hall opening. You know, for the food concepts, also for uh, checking out what you're going to be doing down there, down there with the bar bar program. So yeah, that was just a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure, and uh, I look forward to uh, showing up to one of your uh, pop up. Yeah, definitely come through anytime. All right, thank you. All right, so one of the things that I wanted to add to this was that. Um, as Cesar mentioned, the the experience of um, the chef as an artist and the uh, the guest um, during these uh, pop ups that he's doing, uh, there's a lot of of uh, in, uh, middlemen that are cut. So he's in his kitchen um, cooking, and uh, people can can watch him do it. And so he even encourages him to take pictures and ask questions and all that. So that is really taking away ne- nearly every single barrier other than you doing it for him <laughs> uh, together, uh, you know, the cooking, um, that they exist. And I think that's interesting because that's essentially what the chefs at Bravery Chef Hall are going for, which is a 
they've taken down some of those barriers that have existed in the past with uh, chefs and and their and their guests, right? And so um, that is going to be uh, a very excellent experience. But what I'm getting to is that Cesar has also come into this idea himself, and he ha is applying it in a different way. And I think that that is probably the next progression of our industry which means not necessarily that it will change for to that forever but it is an opportunity and it is a space to to explore because for the chefs that have the ability to talk to people and enjoy the company of people while they cook um i just think that that's that's your perfect uh, uh situation so in addition to that i want to say to all the chefs and cooks that are going to be at Bravery Chef Hall. Welcome to my world. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.